Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. Hey, strangers. We have an announcement and a bonus for you today. As of April 2023, we will be releasing not one, but two premium episodes a month. That's right, double the weird for our premium subscribers. If you're on Patreon, you can get those episodes plus our ad-free and early release feed for $5 a month. We also run monthly giveaway games, post fun finds from our research, and host occasional live streams. Or you can sign up for our premium episodes only on Apple Podcasts for $2.99 a month. As soon as Spotify has a subscription service up and running for all podcasters, we'll be there too. Our prices will stay the same for double the content. So we hope you'll join us. Your subscriptions are a major factor in funding this podcast, and we appreciate it. As a thank you, and to celebrate our new two-bonus schedule, we want to share a premium episode with everyone on the main feed. It's a darker tale than we usually explore. And for all you cryptid lovers, well, this one is for you. West Virginia doesn't have the only cryptid haunting a lonely bridge. Down in Kentucky, there's another danger and another warning. We hope you enjoyed this premium episode, The Trestle. And please, do rate and review One Strange Thing on your favorite app. It is very helpful to the show. And sign up now for premium to get ready to enjoy double the fun starting in April. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. We all have our fears. The dark, the ocean, the unknown expanding vastness of the universe. Then again, it's probably the human in us that makes us enjoy feeling afraid. You know the deal. Horror movies, haunted houses, ghost stories and monsters, all those Halloween classics. No matter what makes you afraid, trust us, someone else in the world probably finds it fun. 
And this isn't a new form of masochism either. Humans have told monster and ghost stories for centuries. If you've never looked into global folklore, we'll give you a quick summary. It contains absolutely the most horrifying monsters that you can imagine. Too many heads, too many eyes, and entirely too specific about how they will kill you. Thankfully, scary stories and experiences are usually just that, harmless fun. We go cryptid hunting in the woods and hear some spooky sounds, but come back safe and happy. Or we stand in front of the bathroom mirror, chanting Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody... Mm, almost got me there. And are somehow both relieved and disappointed when nothing happens. Except we forget. Stories have power. Sometimes they can be deadly. And this, strangers, is a story that's deadly. So we're putting a warning out right at the beginning. There's a lot of real, actual death related to this one. And no, it's not because it's a story that's supposed to kill or curse you if you hear it. We won't be going into any specifics. But if mentions of death aren't in the cards for your listening today, this might not be the episode for you. Now, we begin in the state best known for its thundering racetracks. Not with cars, though, with the literal origin for the term horsepower. We're talking, of course, about Kentucky and all of its derbies. The story we're telling today lives in Louisville, a city in the northern part of the state so close to the border that it's almost part of Indiana. We say lives because this story is a living, breathing part of the community. Over the years, it's grown from a tiny whisper between kids to a weirdly regular element in the local news. We haven't been able to pinpoint when the story began, but the earliest newspaper mention about this monster was published in the Louisville Courier-Journal in 1979. In case you haven't picked up on it yet, yes, this is a monster story. Imagine this. There's a creek about 27 minutes, or 18 miles, southeast of Louisville, per Google Maps. The Louisville Courier-Journal, which you'll be learning a lot from today, wrote that the creek was named after a prominent family and one of the first to move to the area, the Pope family. Now, they had a salt lick on their land, making it a key source of salt for their neighbors, both human and animal alike. Because of them, the creek is named Pope Lick Creek, as in the Pope family's salt lick. There's even a road running parallel to it named Poplick Road. Now, if you stand in the creek and look up, there are steep canyon walls on either side. A train trestle crosses between those cliffs. That's known as the Poplick Trestle. If you've never heard of a trestle before, it's exactly what you think. Trains Magazine says it's a specific type of bridge used by trains to cross short distances like creeks, rivers, or narrow gorges. 
And it shouldn't be a surprise at this point for you to learn that the Pope Trestle is quite haunted. Not by ghosts, though, but rather by a half-goat or half-sheep, half-man, half-monster. Yes, it's either a half-goat or half-sheep man, it depends on who you ask. Atlas Obscura describes him as looking like a spooky version of Narnia's Mr. Tumnus, the lower half of a sheep or goat, and the torso of a man. He also has a pair of short horns sticking up from his head. Now, and this is important, this monster is not the Goatman of Maryland. Although the Maryland Goatman is also associated with a bridge and death, which is probably a coincidence, but maybe avoid bridges in both states just in case. Anyway, a 2014 article by the Sierra Club wrote the story of the Popelik monster, and it went something like this. There was once a circus train full of performers traveling through Kentucky. On board was the goat slash sheep man. He was a performer and an unfortunate lifetime captive of the circus. When the train reached the Popelik trestle, lightning struck the cars. The goat sheep man was the only survivor. Finally free, he did the only thing a monster does after a traumatic experience. Enter therapy. Just kidding. He started hunting locals. He didn't chase after them, though, because even a monster knows the value of his time. No, he was said to lure innocents out onto the train trestle to deadly effect. The interesting thing here is that there are multiple stories about the Popelik monster's supposed powers, and they're very different. In 2014, Atlas Obscura wrote that he leaps down from the trestle onto unsuspecting cars passing along Popelik Road below. In that same article, they also said that he finds people in the woods around the trestle and sings a sort of siren song that lures them onto the tracks. We're not sure what siren song a goat sheep man sings, but we're thinking of a certain viral video with a troublingly catchy pop song and a screaming goat. Unfortunately, though, a gory axe isn't even the main thing to be worried about here. This trestle really is very, very dangerous, all on its own. We can't emphasize that enough. The Louisville Courier-Journal says that the Popelik Trestle is about 742 feet long and about 90 feet above ground. It's what you would expect a monster's haunt to look like. Old, looming, surrounded by high fences and no trespassing signs. An article published by the Louisville Courier-Journal in 2016 even described it as rusty and aging. But it's not as abandoned as it looks. The track is still a major throughway in the area. The same article cites around 15 to 25 train crossings per day. To make matters worse, the trestle curves into the forest. Between the curve and the dampening effect of the trees, 
It's very hard to tell when a train is coming. And there are nothing but tracks on this trestle. No sidewalk or access to platforms, no place to stand and avoid an oncoming train. We think you can see what we're getting at here. People have messed around on this trestle, and they didn't make it down. We've found at least seven deaths since 1987 that seem to be directly related to the legend of the Poplic monster. Out of respect for those involved, we won't go into specifics, but we will discuss some broad similarities between these cases that stick out to us. All of these incidents involved young people, 26 years old and under. A few of them involved a surprise train approaching. Take, for example, a 2016 incident reported by the Louisville Courier-Journal. The man involved, who, let's be clear, survived, said he didn't hear or see the train until it was only 40 feet away. As for the other incidents, well, strangers, these people did notice the train coming well before it reached them. But, like we said, they had nowhere to go. When they tried to climb onto the supports for the trestle, they were either exhausted and fell, or were knocked off by the intense vibrations of the train passing overhead. In 1989, the journal reported that railroad officials estimated a train takes between five and eight minutes to cross that trestle. Holding your entire body weight up with limited hand or footholds for five minutes straight? What about eight? It's just not something that most people can do. Monster stories aside, this trestle is obviously deadly. No one should be stepping foot on it unless your feet are wheels of a train, and you are a train. Which leads us to the critical question. Why are people climbing around on it? Why have teens and 20-year-olds done it for decades? There are enough articles out there that make the danger very clear. Well, remember when we said that there are seven incidents directly related to the legend of the public monster? All of the people we talked about tried crossing the trestle specifically to summon it, which leads some to believe that this monster is real after all and luring people onto the trestle. Otherwise, why would sensible people, young people, yes, but all sensible according to their families, try crossing a 742-foot-long train bridge? Trains aside, there's the height, the unstable footing, the complete lack of handrails. It's a nightmare if we do say so ourselves. So, some would say that there really is a monster out there. One that's said to have a siren-like call. One that can even lure even the most cautious person out onto the tracks. Against their better judgment, against their fear, an unfortunate consequence of building bridges, we suppose, is the ways in which they can be misused by people and cryptid menaces. Blame the trestle or industrialization or circuses if you like. All valid, except for one strange thing. 
The trestle has been drawing people to it for much longer than the stories of the Poplic monster have existed. You see, the Poplic trestle has been important to Louisville kids for decades. Well before the late 80s, the monster is a more recent acquisition. A Louisville Courier-Journal article from 1989 provides some insight into this history. Author Gladys Page Bernard wrote that the Poplic Trestle has been a source of rumor for Louisville teens since the 1920s or earlier. But originally, it had nothing to do with a monster. Instead, crossing the trestle was seen as a rite of passage, a ritual about testing your courage and leaving your childhood behind. Bernard also shared that every kid she knew growing up had the train schedules memorized. Trains were a big deal then. Kids respected the tracks and avoided their dangers like the proverbial plague. If there was no monster on the tracks in the 1920s, then how and when did the monster move in? Or rather, how did the stories about this monster begin? As it turns out, this is the true mystery of the public monster. An article published by the Springfield News Sun in 2016 referenced local folklore for an explanation. They wrote that legends of a goat man or a sheep man have existed in Louisville for at least three generations. The goatman's stories may have started as a tale about a farmer who, quote, tortured a herd of goats for Satan and signed a contract with him and forfeited his soul. It's hard to say exactly what the farmer got out of that deal, but each to his own, we suppose. From that point on, the archives are oddly sparse. When it comes to cryptids, especially ones that make the news, there are usually first-hand experiences or sightings that give us descriptions of the creature. Whether those sightings are reliable is another thing entirely. But the Poplic monster doesn't have any of those. Even the people who survived deadly encounters on the trestle reported nothing about the goat sheep man, not one cloven hoof in sight. A 2011 blog post from the parklands of Floyd Park confirmed this idea. They said, quote, No one, of course, has ever seen the beast. Actual sightings would only get in the way of the myth. Psychological studies tell us that such myths, or urban legends, are often rooted in some long-forgotten basis of fact. Although the blog didn't cite any specific psychological study, we did some digging ourselves. A 2010 thesis written by Mary Diane Cantrell cites numerous sociological models and psychological studies to answer why people may believe in urban legends. She wrote, quote, The level of truth in an urban legend may be questionable, but, like rumors, they are generally believed to be true by those sharing them, and a strong emotional appeal can make them more successful than a legend with more actual truth. She also said that, quote, Plausibility, specificity, reliable source, and a moral, ironic twist or act of revenge 
equals a good story to share. In the case of the Poplic monster, the strong emotional appeal of conquering a real danger may inspire belief. Even if there's a chance, a likelihood even, that no one has seen a goat sheepman monster. Between the stories of the farmer and the devil, the coming of age ritual at the trestle, you get, well, a darn good myth by childhood standards. It's got all the hits, a local spooky location, a test of courage with bragging rights guaranteed, a long history in town, notoriety, and some very, very real danger. It has the emotional appeal, even if it's unclear where the specific details of the story came from. Perhaps it's not a belief in a monster that draws people to the tracks. Perhaps it's the thrill of danger and the desire to prove oneself, the curiosity of what if. What if there's something lurking around these old tracks? Something we must face to become adults. After all, what we fear says something about us. We're afraid of what we can't control, what we can't protect ourselves against. In Louisville, that's the goat sheep monster along the train trestle. As it turns out, the train tracks are definitely the deadlier of the two. So mind the trestle. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me. Except for one strange thing.